Good morning. It's uh, good for us to be back here with uh, you again. I want you to leave this building this morning conscious of one person. You might be distracted by the Scottish accent, but I want you to be conscious of one person. And I want you to have embedded in your thinking four words from verse 30 of the portion of scripture that Jim read he bowed his head this is the pivotal moment in all of history have you been thinking about this moment today Have you? You'll see in John's Gospel how important this moment is. Back in John chapter 2, you hear Jesus say, My hour has not yet come. John chapter 7, His hour had not yet come. The next chapter, His hour had not yet come. Then chapter 12, verse 23, Jesus says, Father, the hour is come. He knew that his hour was come. And in John chapter 17 verse 1 he says, The hour has come. This hour is of first importance. It's the most important thing for you to think about and for me with you. To be captivated by this hour and by what happened in these verses that we read. I would like to start with three aspects of his death and then seven specifics which demonstrate for us in a particular way the specific point I'm trying to make that he bowed his head. Three aspects in, uh, to start with. Number one, his death was real. How could God's fellow suffer? How is it that the prince of life could die? How is it that the light of the world could go out? We know that this is the blood of God that was shed here. We have that for us in Acts chapter 20. The church of God which he purchased with his own blood. He is the eternal one. How could he die? Well, he became like you. Yeah, just like you. He had a nose like you have. He was born of our bone. He sucked his mother's breast. He was cleaned up as a baby. He was truly a man. He became what he was not and never ceased to be what he was. He was capable of tasting death and die he did and three days 
in the grave. Number two, death had no claim on him. But it has on you. Have you looked in the mirror lately? I do, and I see it written all over my face. And I see it in the bald forehead. And I see it in the yellowing teeth. Death passed upon all men and women and boys and girls. Death has passed on you because of sin. But death had no claim on Jesus, for he is holy, harmless, undeviled. He did no sin. He knew no sin. Even Pilate said, I find no fault in him. Thirdly, this death was planned in a past eternity. Now, I dare say you're not planning your death. But we're told in Revelation 13 that he was slain from the foundation of the world. What a mystery. This is something that was planned. Zechariah, there is a fountain opened for sin and for uncleanness. Isaiah 53, he poured out his soul unto death. Zechariah 13, smite the shepherd. The Old Testament is full of this. The plans of God for the death of his son. Are you planning the death of your son? God did. But secondly, I want to dwell a little longer on aspects of this death that are different from every other death and highlight to us he bowed his head. Remember in John 17 verse 18 he said, I lay down my life. I have a job to do, something that I have to do. I'm longing till I achieve it. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how am I straightened, is the word the King James Version uses. How am I straightened? How am I keen, enthusiastic to get the job done? And there are seven points here I wish to make. Number one, at his arrest. You remember Judas and the officers came to Gethsemane. It's in the previous uh, chapter. And Jesus said to them, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he replied, I am he. And you know what happened? They fell about. They drew back. This title of incarnate deity from the word made flesh. I am he. That was all they heard. And they fell about. Sure, he had power to walk free. 
Sure, he could have summoned an army from heaven. But he said no. But he did say something that applies to us here today. And it is this. Let the disciples go. Let the disciples go. Take me. But let the disciples go. Let these go. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. Now I am a farmer, as Jim mentioned, and we send lambs to slaughter, probably about 50 to 100 of them every week just now. And I've chased them on to the lorry. I don't know what you call it here, but the truck. Good, thank you. And they run onto the truck with great enthusiasm. And they're going to the slaughter. But the difference between the lamb and Jesus is the lamb doesn't know where it's going. But Jesus knew where he was going. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. That reminds me of a story which was heard on BBC television, BBC radio rather, about Kipa Simpandi. Kipa Simpandi was a Ugandan pastor and on Easter Sunday morning, at the time of Idi Amin, the cruel dictator, he came home to his house after preaching. He realized something was happening. He was ambushed. Five men, five guns, five faces of hatred, tribal cuttings on their face, dark glasses. He knew who they were. They were Idi Amin's secret police. We're going to kill you. And if you have anything to say, say it now before you die, said the tall, dark man full of hatred. Idiot, eh? Keep us in Pandy said, I could only stare. My mouth became dry. My arms became heavy. I trembled. It was a long moment. I'll never see my family again. I'll never hug my wife again. Then a voice came. It was my voice from deep inside me. The voice said, I do not need to plead my cause because I am a dead man already. My life is dead already. I am hidden in Christ. I am crucified with Christ. But you are dead in your sins. And I pray that after you kill me, you will come to know the one who died for me and rescued me from my sins. The tall, dark leader of the gang put his gun down, walked forward to keep us in Pandy and said, would you pray for me? 
and the others put their gun down. And they are now all elders in Kipas and Pandy's church. The power and meaning of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two. You'll see it in Matthew chapter 27 verse 46. He cried with a loud voice. And it's as if Matthew is saying, Hey, you didn't notice what I said? You didn't notice what I wrote? I'm going to tell you again four verses later with a loud voice. Can you remember what Jesus cried with a loud voice? He cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Had his strength all gone? Far from it. Does this not prove that at this moment in time he was strong and full of energy and life because he had a strong, loud voice? Proving what you read in Psalm 89, verse 19, I help upon a strong one laid. Number three, we read it in verse 28, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he cried, I thirst. It's obvious you're thirsty, you're bleeding, you've been in the heat, you've had a hard night back and forward across the city of Jerusalem, but he cried, I thirst. Why did he cry, I thirst? Was it a cry for help? No, it was not a cry for help. Read it. Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, speaking with reverence, at that moment did he not survey the whole of the Old Testament and he's mind alighted on Psalm 69 verse 21 and speaking with reverence Jesus said yes that verse has still to be fulfilled they give me vinegar to drink when as my thirst was great that the scripture might be fulfilled. It's also in verses 36 and verses 37. A fulfillment of Psalm 31 verse 5. Into thy hands I do commit my spirit. Then we come to the four words of our text. Verse 30. Why are these words there? Is this an unnecessary detail? No, friend, this is central to our understanding of who Jesus is, what he did, and how he did it. Prior to this, his head was held erect. It didn't fall. He consciously, calmly bowed his head. What majestic composure! 
What a savior. Soldier, you were standing there, Mr. Centurion. What would you say about this? I would say, truly, truly, this was the Son of God. There's a little thing too, isn't there, in, in that verse, is it? it's in Matthew. He had no place to raise, to lay his head. Matthew chapter 8 it is, I think. He had no place to lay his head. His head's important. What he did with his head is important. Here, he bowed his head. He had no place to lay his head. No place to lay his head. But now, he bowed his head. It's as if he's saying to Satan, it's finished. You're beaten. You've no more tricks up your sleeve. I am king. I have endured all your mad rage. You have failed, Satan. I am choosing the moment of my death so that all who hear of it are fully assured that I have conquered you. Number five. You'll find this in Luke chapter 23, verse 46. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Now, who does that remind you of? Who was the other guy who went through something similar? It's Stephen. But there's a huge difference. Stephen said, into your Jesus said, into your hands. I commend my spirit. Stephen said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Stephen's spirit was taken from him. Jesus' spirit was given. Into your hands I commit or I commend my spirit. The King James Version puts it this way, He gave up the ghost. He gave up His Spirit. Number six. It's in this chapter. Verses 31 to 33. Listen to the Jews. Pilate, tomorrow's a special Sabbath. You know how long it takes for people to die from crucifixion and we don't want these fellas on this, these crosses lingering on the Sabbath day. Get a soldier or two to go along and break their legs. Break their bones so that they won't be able to stretch themselves up on the cross and draw another breath. It'll hasten their death. Please do that, Pilate. Pilate said, okay. And the soldiers came along and they broke one fellow's legs and the other chap on the other side. And then they came to the man in the middle. The Lord Jesus. And he was dead already. They break 
not his legs. Now, this has a wonderful connection to something that happened on the 14th day of the first month at evening. Have you got it? The 14th day of the first month at evening. Now you're supposed to be people who read the Bible. And you should know what happened on the 14th day of the first month at evening. You'll find it in Numbers chapter 9. And it's verse 12. Keep the Passover, but don't break the lamb's legs. Don't break the legs of the lamb. And what was happening on Calvary? The lamb of God was dead already. They did not break his legs. I lay it down of myself. Number seven. This death was accompanied by three miraculous, amazing phenomena. Number one, the curtain was rent from the top to the bottom. Now this curtain was a big thing. It was three or four inches thick. And if you and I were to try and tear this curtain, we would try to do it from the bottom to the top. But it was torn from the top to the bottom, showing that God was doing it and showing that you don't need a pastor or a priest or an elder to go to Christ. You must go to Christ for yourself. You must go to God for yourself. The second phenomenon that happened was the earth did quake. Now, it doesn't say there was an earthquake. It says the earth did quake. So, it happened in Jerusalem, but it was felt in New Zealand and in cold Scotland. It's not as cold as he said, by the way. It's certainly not as hot as here, thankfully. But the earth did quake. This was a pivotal moment in the whole of history. And the third phenomenon is that the graves were opened. The graves were opened. Pointing forward to the fact that your grave will be opened. So that I can come to your grave. And I can stand at your grave and speak to it. And say, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? You've lost it because my Jesus has the victory.
That's the seven. But you've probably noticed that I've missed the most important thing of all. Have you? Have you noticed that I've missed the big one? The big one I haven't mentioned. 36 hours later. He arose again. He ascended to the right hand of the Father where he makes continual intercession for the transgressors. The dust, it's Rabbi Duncan, a Scottish theologian of 200 years ago, who put it this way, the dust of earth on the throne of heaven. There's a piece of the dust of this world which made up the body of Jesus Christ on the throne of heaven. Because I live, ye shall live also. The believer's epitaph is not R.I.P. You see it on graves all over the place. R.I.P. I would like to take it off. I would like to replace it with Three other letters. R.I.P. stands for rest in peace. I would like to replace it with C.A.D. Christ abolished death. Christ abolished death. Now, I know, guys, you are frightened about death. You don't want to think about it. And neither do I. But you're going to die. But if you know Christ, you don't die. You're like Kipas and Pandi. You've died already. Your death is past. You live because he is risen. What is your response, my friend, then, today to this? That he, our Lord, gave himself up on his arrest. That he cried with a loud voice. That he was composed and remembered to say, I thirst that he bowed his head, that he committed his spirit to the Father, that he was dead already, and that his death was accomplished by miracles, and that he is risen from the dead. Do you not wish to say in the hymn, in the words of the hymn we sang, and can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Does this not make your heart wish to sing and dance? He yielded to death. He was not conquered. He is the victor. Let us worship him now and in the days to come. And remember, this death is what sin deserves. And he took it. When Christ cried, I thirst on the cross. The substance of his humanity was being desiccated in the oven of God's wrath. He was in the oven of God's wrath for me and for you. Remember also that this is what's coming for those who reject the offer of the gospel 
pain and torment, everlasting blackness of darkness. And remember also that Christ did this out of love for us and is saying to us today, Look unto me, I did it for you. How often would I have gathered thee together? And I cannot offer this to you tomorrow. And you can't accept it tomorrow. I can only offer this to you today. I can only offer this to you now. At this moment of time is the only time that I can, with assurance, offer you Christ freely in the gospel. Come now and let us reason together. You say to me, well, I need to be better. I'll need to improve my life a wee bit. Rubbish. It's for sinners. The gospel is not, there is a savior if you need him. The gospel is, sir, you have no right to go to hell. For if you do so, you trample upon the Son of God. If you go out that door today without Jesus Christ, you are trampling upon the Lord Jesus. Now, I can't make it any more solemn than that. You are taking a deliberate choice. You are saying, not yet, or I need to be better. <coughs> You're refusing. It's for the chief of sinners. But you might be saying, I feel I cannot believe. Is there somebody here today saying, I feel I can't believe? You know your problem? It's you're looking to your believing. You don't look to your believing. You look to the cross. You look to Jesus. You look to the one who bore our sin on his own body on the tree. You don't look to your believing. And remember also, you are to tell of it. Perhaps you heard the story of Nikosa Koshiba the Japanese commander of the first imperial air fleet, he flew the first plane into Pearl Harbor. And he was instrumental in the death of many of your fellow citizens. He got back to Japan, but he was endlessly restless. He was disillusioned after the war. But a leaflet came his way with a text on it from the Bible which said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgiveness. Is there forgiveness? That must be amazing. So Nikosa Koshiba found forgiveness in Jesus Christ and spent the rest of his life going round Japan, which is a difficult country to share the gospel in, telling them that there is forgiveness with Jesus Christ. And remember one other thing to do. Here it is. It's here. He's here. My body broken for you 
so that you will be mended so that you will be fixed my blood shed for you so that you will be satisfied you know boys and girls marriage won't satisfy you I've been married to the same woman for 44 years I sometimes say 44 years of wedded warfare in jest it's been wonderful but marriage does not satisfy a new house won't satisfy a better job won't satisfy a great pension won't satisfy Sharnock the Puritan put it this way nothing less than Christ will satisfy and when she, once you find him nothing more could be desired so here it is freely offered to you in the gospel and if you are saying yes to Jesus this is a token of his gift of himself to you and if you go out without it you're saying no I've got other priorities seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added unto you remember this these four words he was in control he bowed his head so that you could hold your head up he bowed his head may the Lord bless these few words to each one of you and may the joy of the Lord be your strength as you partake of his broken body and shed blood until he drinks it with you and eats it with you in his kingdom. Thank you.